1: Hoop
2: Ballers! Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls. And the area around them. Let's talk about Manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code HoopBall20 H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 Use the promo code And go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the Lawnmower 3.0 with a built-in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the gooch. It is hard to get to the gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti-tugless technology on the razor. Full, long battery life. Then... Check out the weed whacker, bring that out of the shed, use it on your shrubs, cut down what you need, down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti tugless technology, just like the Lawn Mower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery. And best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. HoopBall20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So yeah. That's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. Mybookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article and the wager pass, as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, mybookie.ag. Use promo code hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. We have today in sports betting.
1: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
2: <laughs> Ball- Welcome back to another episode and another edition of today in sports betting at DALE 007 on Twitter. We're uh just Devin Ellington in real life. Hey uh make sure to go to hoop-ball.com. Get a look at all of our brand new dynasty fantasy rankings, and podcasts, as well as articles. Our guy, Rhett Bauer, is putting in some work over there. And with a lot of inactivity and a lot of leagues and uh, us about to get into the dog days of summer, well, you're going to need some more content to look into, aren't you? Don't forget to follow the rest of the team over at Hootball Gaming. Shout out to my guys, Troy. Blake, Riley, Jonathan, pretty sure I'm missing, yeah, Doug, Joe Campesi handles a lot of our free content, all of our golf content. Today is a rapid fire kind of show, it's going to be quick, to the point. We don't have a ton to talk about. Really, the only thing going on today is the Home Run Derby. So, of course, we'll talk a little bit about that. Late last week, Blake and I talked a little bit in a foreshadowing sense. The fact that Shohei Otani and I believe it was Juan Soto are matched up in the first round is pretty amazing. I will pull up this bracket and everything right now, and we'll actually dig into it in a little bit. But uh, as far as just kind of what we got going on, like you said, the uh, the action is not heavy tonight. And we'll break down the... Uh, I can't believe Juan Soto's an eight seed. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, we'll break down the Home Run Derby. We'll break down those matchups. And uh, we won't talk too much All-Star Game. Probably none. Um, Might touch on some MLB draft. Just, you know, touch on the first couple overall few picks. Can't believe... Kumar Rocker fell to the Mets at number 10. That's crazy. I did not expect one of those Vanderbilt pitchers to make it past five, even with all the amazing prospects that we have at shortstop in the high school talent department in this draft. Probably the most shortstop heavy, high-end talent, top-end talent draft that we've had, man, in a long time, in a very long time. Very, very long time. So, I'm going to break down a couple college football teams today for their wins in their season totals. Got a couple different teams I'm looking forward to breaking down. We're not really going in any order or in any structure, really. I'm just throwing them into shows. And, uh, yeah. We are going to... We are going to talk and talk and talk about this Home Run Derby for at least the first few minutes. So at first, let's just go through the matchups. If you haven't looked yet, if you don't know, if you've been living under or inside of a rock. Like I said, Shohei Otani, Juan Soto. That'll be a great matchup. Joey Gallo, Trevor Story. That'll be another phenomenal one. Matt Olson, Trey Mancini. Salvador Perez Pete Alonzo. I think at first glance that we have three upsets in the first round. That is where I'm leaning at first And once we, you know, when we uh, break down these odds and everything, obviously value is something that's huge that we're looking into. The fact of the matter, you know, and I say three upsets, but I think naturally, honestly, there's only just going to be two
1: So, we've
2: got some overall odds before we break down this whole thing. Before I start breaking it down, you know, round matchup by matchup. So, we're looking at Shohei Otani being the top dog, the favorite at plus 175. And look, I think he, uh, he's worth... He's worth that plus 175. You know, it, it, it's going to be tough getting past Juan Soto. Um, so, with that being said, Juan Soto being such a good hitter and all, that plus 1100, 1101 on him is, that's kind of crazy. With, with a hitter like him. Now, the reason I think Shohei Otane is going to be dynamic enough in more than one way to win this whole damn thing. He wants the enchilada and the burrito and the chimichanga and and a side taco. His exit velocity, it, it oh man, he hits the ball hard. And his exit velocity as well as his launch angle are top notch. And these other guys are great hitters and all too. But uh, you got to hit the ball hard, a lot harder than Shohei Ohtani, to win, and he's hitting the ball really hard this year. I don't think there's any value in Matt Olson at plus six hundred. I think he's a first round bounce, if not first round, he struck. He you know he scrapes by the first round, then he's an easy second round bounce. Salvi Perez at plus fifteen hundred. I you know I don't see anything there at fifteen to one. to for Trevor Story. I think I'm okay on that. Don't really have anything too interesting in that. You know, I think Trevor Story gives Joey Gallo a run for his money in their matchup. But overall, Joey Gallo's got a lot more power than uh, Trevor Story does. So... Going to run through just like this whole gamut of stuff here. And uh, we're going to look at all of the home run derby bets. So we're looking at all those individual winners. Like I said, I think the biggest value is going to be on Shohei Ohtani to win but i like the value on Juan soto in case he does upset shohei ota if Juan soto beats shohei i think it's going to be a Juan soto victory the kid is just explosive least home runs in round 1 over under 12 and a half over 12 and a half is at minus 140 Kind of got to side with the juice on that one. 13 home runs is not a lot. If there's anyone that I think does not get there, it's going to be Matt Olson Or Salvador Perez. They've got the league winner. AL minus 210. So, whew. I mean, they got Salvi... Trey Mancini, uh, Matt Olson, Joey Gallo. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, like they they got the better stick of that. So least home runs in the first round. Trey Mancini is at plus 300. So he's got the best odds. I like Matt Olson at plus 600. I like Mancini's power. He's got some sneaky, sneaky power. Trevor Story at plus 500, he's just good enough of a hitter that I think he's going to get it done. Like I said, he's not going to beat Joey Gallo in my opinion, but, you know, it's not that he lacks power. Joey Gallo's just got a little bit more. Juan Soto plus 370, you know, it's Juan Soto. I'm talking about liking his 11-1 to 1 odds, so, I mean, that, give me that. Uh, or I'm saying, don't give me that that plus 370 for him to have the least home runs. Honestly, Matt Olson plus 600 least home runs in the first round. I think that's honestly the best value out of those. Obviously, we're not looking at Shohei or Joey Gallo or Pete Alonzo. I think Pete Alonzo struggles in the second round being the repeat champ, but he's going to get through the first round. He'll get through the first round, but uh, he will definitely be struggling in the second round. Um, longest home run in round one. I you know, uh, Shohei or Joey Gallo. Shohei's plus one ninety, Gallo's plus two fifty. I wouldn't be shocked if both of them hit one over five hundred. Most home runs in first round. Look, I think Pete Alonso's a decent look at this one at plus five hundred. I think ultimately, he's. I mean, he's just got crazy power. Um, he's gonna have to hit a lot as an underdog against Salvi. This is one of the upsets I think will happen in round one. Pete Alonso defends his title for at least one round, and uh, I like Pete. Alonzo at plus 500, most home runs in first round. Shohei Atani's 250. Gallows 250. I I don't think it's going to be either of the top two guys, to be honest. They might have the furthest. I don't think they're going to have the most. Trevor Story plus 800. He's a little bit of a sneaky dark horse. Trey Mancini, he's got power, y'all, plus 900 on that. Salvi, Juan Soto, Trey Mancini, all plus 900 in regards to most home runs in the first round. Um, Most home runs in the first round, over 25 and a half. You know, that's at minus 120. I think over makes a lot of sense. Round one matchups. Shohei Otani's minus 240. Joey Gallo's minus 250. Look, I'm not uh, I'm not laying these heavy favorites, and I'm not a firm believer in the dogs enough in these matchups. You know, at plus 190 for Juan Soto in an individual matchup, I'd rather just lump in some more value into his overall winning and then maybe take him in his next round matchup if he gets past Shohei. So... 11-1 to 1 overall in the whole gamut of things has a lot more value than just betting this individual matchup at plus 190. So Matt Olsen minus 210, Trey Mancini plus 170. You, you know, Mancini plus 170 looks nice. Matt Olson, like I said, I think he's going to be an easy second round out. Pete Alonso, even though he's seeded as the underdog, he is the heavy betting favorite at minus 250. Salvador Perez plus 175. We got first round totals for our hitters. Joey Gallo is at 23 and a half, minus 115, even shade. I mean, that, that's a tough one, honestly, there. So I won't be touching that. Matt Olson over under 19 and a half. I would look at under on his. It's at all these are evenly shaded at minus 115. Juan Soto over 17 and a half. Yes, please. Give me that. I like that. Pete Alonzo over 121 and a half. Now Pete Alonzo's weird because he's the only guy on here that's got minus 125 shading and juice to both sides. So why is Pete Alonso so special, huh? You tell me, buddy. Pete Alonso over twenty-one and a half, under twenty-one and a half. I don't know. You know, I did say that if it, you know if I was going to take a dark horse to have the most home runs in the first round, Pete Alonso. I think he's going to have to get more than twenty-one and a half to do that. So I think the magic number in round one is going to be like 24, 25. We might see Shohei freak out and hit 28. I mean, he's going against Juan Soto. Those guys are going to be going back and forth. It's going to be a lot of bombs. We might be able to travel the continental United States on scale of the distance hit between these two guys in their first round matchup. I, it's, I'm probably way off by a few thousand miles, but like they're, they're going to hit some moon shots is what I'm saying. Salvi Perez, 17 and a half. That's a good number for him. I I could see him struggling getting like 16 or 15, but then again, like 18 doesn't really, you know, that that makes some sense to me too. So um, we'll, we'll stay off of that. Shohei Otani. He's at 23 and a half. You know, ah, man, these, these numbers and these odds makers are damn good on these totals here. 24. I say the magic number's 25. I think 25 is going to get hit. But based off the narrative I've gone off so far, I feel as though taking over on show a- is not a bad idea because if Juan Soto does win, he's going to have to hit like 25 or 26. So a over 23 and a half makes sense to me. Trevor Story, I'm leaving his alone at 18 and a half. And then Trey Mancini's got 16 and a half. Over 16 and a half has the minus 105. Not a lot of faith in that. And then minus 125 is going to be the shade on the under. So not a lot of love for Trey Mancini in this in this contest. I see him getting 13 or 15, so that makes a lot of sense to me. But again, Trey Mancini's got that sneaky power. I wouldn't be shocked to see him win in his first-round matchup. But I'm going to leave his total alone. So the totals I like, over 23.5 for Shoei, under 17.5 for Salvi, over 21.5 for Pete Alonzo. I like under 19.5 for Matt Olson, 17.5 the over for Juan Soto, Joey Gallo I didn't touch, Trevor Story I didn't touch, Trey Mancini, I'm not touching, and I think that's that. To reach the finals, we have four names to choose from. Show a minus one ten, the only not plus money hitter. Pete Alonso plus two twenty. Automatically, I'm out on that one because I don't think he repeats. Salvador Perez, plus 500. I think he loses in the first round, so I'm out on that. Juan Soto, plus 500. Hey, if he reaches the final, we would be taking plus 500 and plus 1100 collect respectively into the final. Look. Juan Soto, I don't know how you ignore the value on this guy. It is so hard to go against Shohei in more than one way, though. Ooh, I don't know if I personally got the stones to go ahead and roll Juan Soto in there to reach the final at plus 500. Oh, no, they got the other names down here. I'm sorry. It was the other side of the bracket. Uh, They had it split up, so I'll get to the others in a bit. Right now that plus 500 for Juan Soto is sticking out. I know he's got to get through Shohei but if he does, we could cash a lot of different tickets on Juan Soto alone. So the other four to reach the finals. Joey Gallo at plus 130. Trevor Story plus 320. Matt Olson plus 210. Mancini plus 500. Man, Uh, I mean, out of those four, Trevor Story plus 300's got the most value in it to me. There are Home Run Derby exact outcomes with so many different ways to look at this thing. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of these. Um it would be pretty nuts. But let's look for uh, let's say okay, so for example one soto over Joey Gallo. Twenty one point. It's pretty much bet two hundred eleven dollars. You gonna get that nice return. Plus, Twenty-one ten. Shohei Otani over Joey Gallo at plus seven hundreds—the highest or lowest odds, however you want to look at it. The ones with Juan Soto are catching my eye. Shohei Otani ones might as well, but the value. Yeah, so I'll be leaving these alone. In regards to the rest of the home run derby. Look, I guess I got to pick a winner, huh? (laughs) Give me the eight seed Juan Soto. Yeah, buddy. Look, it's purely off value. I mean it's I know he's going against Shoei in the first round. It's probably not going to happen, but if anyone can hit it as hard or at the right angle, uh, like Shoei can, it's it's Juan Soto. I think he's the most balanced hitter outside of Otani in this matchup or in this tournament. Derby. Gallo's purely power moonshot hitter, Trevor story, a little more finesse and contact better in-game hitter, Matt Olson, an average, uh, or I'm sorry, an OPS guy with sneaky power. So not just like a dominant power hitter, Trey Mancini, more core power than anything. Salvi more balanced. I would say Pete Alonzo, he's strictly power. But being a return champ, you know, they don't repeat that often. So I'm not really looking to uh, do that. So give me one Soto, the eight seed. I, that is crazy. But like I said, the value, I just, I, I can't get over the value. So value, value, value. All right, briefly, let me talk MLB draft. We'll move on after that. I I just kind of want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the first round or what did go on with the first round. Getting into it live. Probably won't be looking to do too much of. The Royals are on the clock right now. Actually, they just made their pick. And Dayton Dooney, second baseman out of Central Arizona College. Rockies are on the mound. So, we are in round six. Pick 170 currently going on. Now, let me just uh, talk about some prospects, some draft picks that were made. And... uh, We will get on moving into something else. So, not sure exactly what we'll talk about other than college football, but we got random tangents to be had. And as I look at... Look, I mean, the fact that... I believe his name Henry Davis was the... uh, Number one overall pick he uh definitely definitely surprised a few people um, because i mean I, I think a lot of people probably would have guessed that Jack lighter could have been number one here. Uh, you know, there was a lot of speculation and swirling as far as that number 1 pick. And uh you know, it was the most mystery we had at the number 1 pick for a while. And the fact that we knew who the number 1 pick was going to be like months in advance for the last few drafts that made this really interesting. Um Khalil Watson at 16 to the Marlins. I think has a lot of decent value in that pick. Um, a lot of folks had him, uh, specifically McDaniel for ESPN, uh, Number f- as a number five talent. He was unquestionably a top eight talent and top six for most, but uh, he's getting an above slot bonus. Uh, you know, it's crazy that he made it this far. Um, so... Kind of weird that he fell that far. But yeah, Khalil Watson was a really good pick there. Henry Davis at number one, like I said, was a surprise, but great, great catching prospect. You know, we saw Radley Rauschman Radley uh, last year. And uh, yeah, it just was an, an unexpected first round. Like I said, Kamar Rocker dropped to 10 to the Mets. I want to talk about the top four prep shortstops. You know, they were the defining talents of this draft, and that was the heaviest talent pool that we had in this draft. They went all over the place. Uh, Mayer didn't go first as was expected. He ended up going fourth. Lawler landed at sixth. Uh, which is where they expected him to settle in the last few weeks. And House went outside the top 10 being beside a consensus top 10 talent. And Watson, you know, Khalil, what we just talked about him going 16, that was highway robbery. Um, so I, I, I just honestly—I've already talked about it. I can't get over Kamar Rocker, the Vanderbilt prospect product coming out at number ten. Um, so you know the Mets getting a great pick at ten. He's he's performed really well on the big stage, other than the finale of the College World Series this year. So, but uh, it doesn't feel it—it it does feel like he got a bit overanalyzed, and uh, maybe that last game in the College World Series is what you know, uh, turn people off. So um, look for that to change. Look for him to make a name for himself. We got some great, 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 great talent out there, obviously, with as long as the MLB draft is still. And I just, uh, you know, let's – let's just roll through the top 10. We'll talk about the top 10. You know, the Rangers getting Jack wider from Vanderbilt was huge. Best fastball in this draft Detroit Tigers get Jackson job, uh right-hand pitching out of heritage hall, Oklahoma heritage hall, high school, just right up the street from me. Uh, Jackson's the son of Brant job who won two, two PGA tour titles um, and still competes on the champions tour. So Uh, professional athlete pedigree in his um, blood. Um, No high school pitcher had gone higher than 15th in the past two drafts. So teams fell in love with Job's fastball, his high spin, wipeout slider, and his versatility. He played shortstop when he wasn't pitching and led his team to the 4A state championship here in Oklahoma. So he's got a fresh arm. He also played quarterback for Heritage Hall. Um, Boston Red Sox went with one of those four amazing shortstop talents that we talked about. Marcelo Mayer, Eastlake High School out of California. Jordan Lawyer might have been the top prep player in the draft right now, but Mayer has more upside at six foot three left handed hitting shortstop from San Diego area. Number one overall pick, Adrian Gonzalez, went to the same high school. And his only below-average tool, Mares, is his speed. So, above-average defender, however, look for the Red Sox to be happy with that draft pick. The Orioles, of course, they took another hitter. Colton Kowser, center fielder from Sam Houston State. Um, so, Yeah. He emerges one of the top college bats despite playing for a mid-major team. He surpassed former big leaguer Glenn Wilson, who went 18th overall in 1980, as the highest drafted player in school history. The lefty hit 374 with 16 dingers and walking more than he struck out this year. Above average speed that could allow him to stick in center field if he improves his uh, uh, roots to the ball. Diamondbacks got another one of those prospects in the shortstop elite echelon, Jordan Lawler, Jesuit high school in Texas, and he was the number one player on Kylie McDaniel's draft board. Lawler has been considered the top ple- prep player in this class since the summer of 2020, a Dallas high school product. He has above average tools and he drew comparisons to Correa and even Derek Jeter. Number seven, the Royals took Frank Mazicado, the left-hand pitcher, out of the East Catholic High School in Connecticut. First-round picks from New England are rare. Prep pitchers, even rarer. In fact, Mazicado is the first high school pitcher from the Connecticut, from Connecticut, taken, yeah, the Connecticut, from the Connecticut, taken in the first five rounds since 2014. He's a Southpaw, like I said. And uh, he struck 17 out in his title game, state title game. Has a low 90s fastball, but it has high spin. Uh, He has high spin on his curveball and an athletic delivery that sets him apart. Rockies took Benny Montgomery out of Redland High School, Pennsylvania. He uh, was, you know, for the second straight year, Pennsylvania high school outfielder goes in the first round. So... He followed Austin Hendrick from last year, who went 12th to the Reds. He was a pure power hitter as a corner outfielder, but he projects as a center fielder with a 70 or 80 grade speed and above average raw power from his six foot four frame. So number nine, Sam Bachman, right hand pitcher out of Miami, Ohio. A top 10 pick for the Maxion. Hell yeah. Red Hawks, baby. It's where Ben Roethlisberger went to school. Now they got a major leaguer potentially in Sam Bachman. Yeah, he owned one of the best fastballs in the draft, probably second behind Jack Leiter. Bachman sat 95-97 and hit 101 for Miami occasionally. He missed some time early in the spring with a tired arm, pitched 59.2 innings, finishing with a 1.81 ERA, 93 Ks. He gave up one home run. Reliever potential here, but concerns about his durability and his size. He's six foot one. And then the insult Kamar Rocker at freaking number 10. I already talked about it a lot. I won't dig into it too much more. So, yeah, that's the top 10 on the MLB draft from last night. I was just curious to see where Will Bednar, the Mississippi State pitcher, went. He did go to the San Francisco Giants. That's a good pick. That is a really good pick. Can't believe the Marlins get another crazy, crazy talent in Khalil Watson of that caliber. Miami's farm system just... They keep stocking it. You know, Jazz Chisholm. Now... This Khalil Watson kid, you know, this is going to be very, very interesting. Matt McClain, just outside of the top echelon of shortstops, went to the Reds out of UCLA at number 17. So we saw the shortstop run. The uh, Reds obviously need to get Eugenio Suarez out of there because he can't hit to save his life. So they definitely wanted a shortstop. It stinks that they didn't get to get one of the top four. Um, So yeah, some really interesting picks in the first round. Really interesting. Really liked watching some of that last night. Some of the cards play out was interesting. And uh, well, on to the rest of the draft. And what we are on to in this show is college football and what we're moving on to is college football so today i'm going to briefly preview and break down the liberty flames i want to break down kansas the jayhawks because their win total is one and that's going to be a lock and that's easy <laughs> they open with a fcs school um uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them and the coaching change and the increase of talent and all that good stuff. So I want to start with Liberty. Liberty. Um, you know, this was inspired by Colby Dant at – let me get his Twitter handle here pulled up because he is going to be a special guest on the show Wednesday. Spoiler alert – but if you are not familiar with Colby, Dan, and you like college football, I don't, I don't understand. But uh, at the Colby, D-C-O-L-B-Y, Colby, you know, on top of Phil Stills Magazine that I use for a publication every year to break down and get knowledge from, you know, for college football preseason, Colby and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, SGPN, which they have an app if you want to download and get into their content. The SGPN, I mean, they break down every single college team and some FCS. So they're going about 140 teams deep, episode per. Let's just say I listened to the Liberty episode today, and it sparked some uh, flame in me, pun intended, and inspiration. Now, he did all the hard work. I did all the listening, and all I did was open up a magazine and match some facts and this and that. And I think there's a damn good shot that Liberty goes undefeated this year. Their win total is nine, and they open with Campbell. That's a win. Now, before I even get too deep into the schedule, I, I want to point out that they have 20 or 21, however you want to slice it up, returning starters. Malik Willis, at quarterback, a former SEC four-star recruit, now on NFL draft boards, quarterback for the Liberty Flames. Him and his guys in the backfield return. They return DJ Stubbs and Joshua Mack. Those guys are upperclassmen galore. The fact that they got NFL talent on the defensive line in Darrell Johnson Jr. Or, I'm sorry, Darrell Johnson, he is a junior. The name abbreviation got me there. I mean, look, they're, they're loaded. They are loaded. They're loaded. They returned talent. They got some transfers in. They got some other four-star recruits that came in. This team is going to make some noise. And I really hope they can go undefeated. There are three games at the end of their schedule that gives me worry, and we'll talk about them. But this is a team that last year with their rankings and such. I mean they finished like in the twenties on pass defense. Um it like they 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 <laughs> did really well. Hugh Freeze is the coach, if you remember him, from being a coach in the SEC, then good on you. But you look at the defense last year. They only gave 20.5 points up per game. Only 133 rushing yards a game. 57.5 completion percentage for quarterbacks against them. And lots of negative plays. They rushed for 252 yards as a team last year. Look, with Willis at quarterback, I mean, this kid is, uh, he's dynamite. He grew up in Atlanta watching Michael Vick. And you see it in his play. He comes right off the paper, right off the tape. Look for this kid to get close to 1,000 rushing yards on top of his passing success. He almost hit 1,000 last year. I think he had 952. And with that being said, let's run through the schedule. Campbell, the Camels. If it was basketball, maybe we'd have something here. But uh, Campbell, nah, they're an FCS school. That's a win. They go on the road at Troy. Look, Troy's going to be a more improved team in the Sun Belt. That's a win. Liberty wins. Old Dominion did not have a season last year. They opted out. If I remember right, I think that's true. Fact check me, please. Old Dominion at home. Liberty wins. Then they go on the road to the Carrier Dome to face Syracuse, who they demolished last year. Syracuse didn't get any better. The only thing that's going to improve for them in this situation is the fact that they might have some... No, they'll, they'll have more fans than they had last year because... Well, maybe. I don't know. People don't really go to Syracuse football games, and they don't really draw crowds. So maybe they have the same amount of fans as last year in a COVID year. Anywho, back-to-back road games against Syracuse and UAB. So I got them beating the Orange, obviously. Now, this game against UAB, I would originally be more... uh, What's that word? Reluctant? Hesitant? to backing Liberty on this back-to-back road stretch. But UAB has to come home after three road games, and they face some pretty tough opponents in their three games. UAB, going through a little bit of a gamut, in that part of the schedule and then they get to come home and Merry Christmas. You get to play the Liberty flames who really want to go undefeated this year. No, I'm sorry. I was misinforming you about that. UAB does not have those three straight. That was another team I was thinking of. Um, We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, But anyways, UAB happened to come home and play Liberty. I'll take that win. Look, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because after that, they play Middle Tennessee State. They play UL Monroe, which is uh, one of the four worst teams in all of college football, in my opinion. I'd say maybe fifth. Then they play North Texas and UMass. Okay. So I'm going to have Liberty opening at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm going to have Liberty opening at nine and oh, which there's our push. There's our push. And then we have three games left. And it is a tough three games, I will tell you. Probably the best game that will be had all college football season and the most exciting game, in my opinion, that I'm looking forward to the most other than going to see Oklahoma State play Boise State in Idaho in person. Go Pokes. That's why I'm excited. (laughs) But look, November 6th, In Oxford, Mississippi, the Ole Miss Rebels host their former head coach, Hugh Freeze, and former SEC quarterback Malik Willis back to the SEC. They are welcomed back to SEC country to try to get a great road win. Hugh Freeze wants to win this game more than any of these games on the schedule. I guarantee, God darn, guarantee it. Liberty wins. I think Malik Willis was a four-star SEC recruit for a reason. Hugh Freeze has coaching chops. Ole Miss has lost a lot and lost more and more since Hugh has left. They don't return near the starters. And the talent disparity is starting to become less of a gap. More of three, four, and some five-star recruits. I don't think any five-stars come down to Liberty. But they've gotten a couple four-star transfers this offseason. They've gotten some power five talent in there. Then... They get a bye, and they go to face Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, on November 20th. The fact, and this is a home game, the fact that they're coming off of a bye, and it's a home game, I like that they get to face Elijah Mitchell, and this raisin Cajuns. That's how we're going to say it every time this football season. So get used to it. Um, yes, yeah, that home game is going to be awesome. I might have stated too much hyperbole about being most excited for that Ole Miss game on this schedule here, but that ULL game is going to be good. Then they wrap up the season against Army West Point, a triple option team. Who, who is tough? Very tough. They're used to that cold in Lynchburg, Virginia, at that time of the year, November 27th. If Liberty slips up once, and I hope they don't, because if they lose this one, they're not making it anywhere near New Year's Six Bowl, or if we get it before the season starts the 12-team playoff, which I don't obviously we're probably not. I, I, you know, Colby said it on his podcast and when he said it and when he elaborated and he explained, you know, there wasn't much resistance from me at the beginning before he explained, but once he really started to explain his reasoning, it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, they are going through this emotional season. They know it's going to be a special season. They handle the teams they're supposed to, they handle the Campbells. The Camels, the Troys, the Old Dominions. They handle UAB, who's a tough Conference USA team, who will probably win that, that conference. They handle the teams they should, like ULM and UMass. They get a great historical win for the program against Ole Miss. And Hugh Freeze's former boss. And then what's their gift? Their last two games they get to face potentially an 11 win team in Louisiana, Lafayette, and a tough service academy team, triple option team with continuity and physicality, and Army. Tell me that's how they got in their season. And they don't have but 7 days, 6 days if you want to take a recovery day. Seven days to prep for a triple option team. And at this point of the season, there could be some health stuff. Health dependent. I've got the Liberty Flames 11 and 1. But I would not rule out them having a phenomenally astronomical. Astronomically almost butchered that one really bad. Historical season, you know, successful season. Beyond successful. They could go 12 and 0. I wouldn't be shocked. 11 and 1, 12 and 0. Those are my two options for Liberty. So therefore, we are on the over nine. I think this team starts out 9-0. and 9-0. Now, I'll be more brief on the next team because they're not as exciting and they are, they're kind of garbage, but they did do some really great stuff this offseason. Firing Les Miles because he's dirty and he wasn't that great of a coach regardless, we've seen that. I might be a little butthurt or have a personal burn against him because he screwed Oklahoma State when he left to go to LSU and blah, 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 blah. He didn't really do anything for us. He didn't recruit anyone. He coached up a couple of guys that was still here. He had a decent year or two or something like that. Then he pooped on out. LSU, he didn't recruit none of that talent in there. He didn't get none of it. Les Miles is garbage. And you know what? he's well past his coaching days and he should just go ahead and be done, especially since he's just relying on all this dirty activity to have success. So he can't coach anymore. It's obvious. And he honestly didn't really hurt Kansas and their new coach, uh, Lance Leopold from Buffalo. Great hire. Just look at what he's done in his career. Nothing but winners. He started in uh Whitewater, Division Two. I think he had oh what was it? It was I'm gonna have to pull up his I thought I had it all off the top of my head, but his coaching his coaching uh history is this is probably the best hire that Kansas has made um, as a football team, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm still pulling it up here with technology. So please, uh, please bear with me. I'm trying to find the most credible credible source before I pop it open and get too distracted here. Um, well, I was hoping it would pull up his, uh, Division two days, so this is just his time at Buffalo. I'll, I'll figure out his uh, his other stuff. We'll 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 get in there, but he spent seven years at Buffalo. Went seventy, I'm sorry, went thirty seven and thirty three, and brought Buffalo up from absolutely nothing, nothing, in his first year jumping from. It was either Division two rankings or fcs but in 2015 was his first year at buffalo he went five and seven next year two and ten you know five and seven there's a lot of guys leaving you know new coach new system either you're in you're out blah 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 so two and ten for the first true like year but then he went six and six and 17 went 10 and four in 2018 eight and five in 2019 six and one last year and put some players in the nfl Don't know if Khalil Mack was one of his recruits or some of his talents. Based off this timeline, I think it would be like right at the fringe. But Jarrett Patterson, Buffalo had some linebackers last year and some defensive linemen. uh, Kuntz, uh off the top of my head, I can't remember the other guy's name, but they were freaks off the DN position. And the guy is a coacher. He doesn't have any huge talent. He's never really had huge talent is what I'm saying. And he is a coach. Like that is all you can say really. And he, like I said, started at Wisconsin Whitewater, which is division three powerhouse. I said 2000. I'm sorry, I said Division Two. He was there from 2007 to 2014. Like I said, with his tenure at Whitewater, he won the, the, the championship, Division Three National Championship in 2007, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2013, and 2014. So that's one, two, that is six national titles. And that is also counting a runner up. In 2008, he had five, count them, five. This was the number I was trying to find because it's just astounding. No matter what level of coaching you're doing, you could be doing middle school football, and this is astounding and just a rocket blast of impressive. Five undefeated seasons. Five. Five undefeated seasons. Six national championships. Jumps to Buffalo. Gets them bowling for the most times in program history. The guy's a winning coach. And Kansas's win total being set at one. Boy, howdy. I tell you, we we at least got a push. We at least got a push in there. I know we ain't pushing because we're winning that damn bet. But you just think about it. One win. One win. The least amount of games this guy's uh, won was his, uh, I believe it was his second year of Buffalo that we just talked about. And he went, well, he lost 10 games. So two and 10. You know, <laughs> I think Kansas wins at least three games this year. Um, I'm pulling their schedule up right now, so bear with me. I'm thumbing through my uh, Phil Steele publication. I thought I had this whole 500-page magazine... Uh, Memorized by now, but I guess I don't. So the biggest thing about Leopold's uh, hire is the talent that Les Miles brought in, you know, recruiting-wise, he wasn't doing bad. He was bringing in uh, some really good recruits. I think they got a four-star, either a four-star or a five-star recruit in Amari Pasek-Hickson, Uh, He's a freshman, one of their highest recruits, um, you know, for this class. Uh, Some JUCO guys coming in. Uh, I think there was about five or six guys that came from Buffalo that were Leopold guys. So you're going to have that continuity out there on the field. Guys that will definitely, two or three of them will be starters. So the way I look at this, the guy's a winner. He's, he's, a, he's a damn coach. Like he, he wins. South Dakota. South Dakota. Tough FCS school. Do not get me wrong and do not understate them. But this is how we get the Kansas win total bet to win here. South Dakota's key because we got to get that one. All right, look, we're already at a push. We're one game in. We're already at a push. Coastal Carolina. Y'all know how I feel about my Chanticleers and the Coastal Carolina teal Cox. I love them. Baylor. Baylor's right there towards the bottom with KU in the Big 12. They're at home, Kansas is. I say they beat Baylor in their Big 12 opener. Maybe the only Big 12 game they win, but they get them. I think there's a good shot that they beat Duke. Duke is bad. It's a road game, though. At Iowa State, no way. I think Iowa State has a chance of winning the Big 12 this year. Texas Tech, their homecoming, I would like to say they win that one. Texas Tech is probably going to be – I'd say Texas Tech finishes last in the Big 12 this year. Um, they lose to OU the next week. They lose to Oklahoma State after that. They might be able to gut out a win against Kansas State in a rivalry game depending on um, Skyler Thompson – Think their sixth-year super senior quarterback, K-State's. I uh, think that was Skyler Skyler Thompson or Skyler Howard or something. Skyler Thompson, I think, is their starter. Um. Anyways, Kansas State. If they're not healthy, they don't have, and that quarterback's had health issues. So if they can't get past the health issues there, it is Skyler Thompson. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's a true coin flip game to me. I mean, look, there's no need to really break down the rest of the schedule. I I think they can win three games. I think they beat South Carolina. I think they beat Duke. I think they can – or I'm sorry. I think they beat Baylor. I think they can beat Duke. I think they will beat Texas Tech. And I think they can beat Texas – or Kansas State. You know, like I said, this guy's a coach. So – With that being said, those are some overs on two college football teams that we like and that you should go place with your bookie right now. Mybookie.ag, Bovada, Winbet, Bet365, Ralph with the spaghetti sauce on his trousers in the dark alley, Uh, your your uncle uh, Rico, I don't know, whoever the hell you bet with. You bet these overs on the win totals. And I think that we're going to be sweat free with the KU Jayhawks because well, that first win and that one win could come in the form of a push in week one, like we get to a push in week one is my thinking. So added talent, high recruit and a running back. Guys returning, eight defensive starters, eight offensive starters, not to mention the guys that Leopold's bringing from Buffalo that have started for him. I think KU gets over that win total. I think that's pretty easy. So with a weird hodgepodge show today, we covered the home run derby. We covered two college football teams, and we went ahead and recapped the first 10 picks of the MLB draft. And then we talked a little bit about pick like 16 and 17 in there somewhere. Just because that shortstop got jobbed. So short jobbed, shortstop job, shortstopped. All right, I'm done. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay. Don't forget those promo codes manscaped.com, mybookie.ag. Wonderful sponsors for the shows. Wonderful sponsor for Hoopball. They take care of us. I love my lawnmower 4.0. That bad boy fully charged. Popped it in the shower this morning. Because it is waterproof, you know. So. Built-in LED light, waterproof, anti-tug technology. What more can you ask for? Also, guys, don't forget HoopDashBall.com. It's the only reason this podcast exists. Go find the rest of our contributors over there. Health and News uh, ticker on the right side. Shout out to our Blurb Shift workers. Hey, if you're interested, if you want to type and you like to write and you want to type up-to-minute like NBA news, um, holler at me. We're recruiting. We got lots of stuff that lots of y'all could be doing. if y'all want to join the team, we'll figure, you know, something out. We could find something that you could do, I'm sure. But we've got our needs. We do. We do. We do. So reach out to me at D-A-L-E-007. You can email me directly at DevinEllington1992 at gmail.com. Yeah, I know. It's generic, but whatever. Gets the job done. I've had it since, like, seventh grade. Um, and now that I'm almost 30, it just kind of feels weird to go with something else. So, anywho, again, my name's Devin, last name's Ellington, middle name is Anthony. I don't think I've ever disclosed that on the show. If you, I mean, if you were wondering, now you got it. I was your host, am your host, will be your host for the foreseeable future, at least, hopefully. Touch wood. I love this podcast. I love my job. So, with that being said, I am sending you all of my good vibes, all of my good energies, all of my positivity, and all of my desires of safety and health to you and your family. Do something nice and kind for someone today if you're in a position to do so. If you are in a position that you need something nicer, kind in the universe or from someone, I I hope that you get that today. I do. I fully believe that you should get that. So, hoop ballers today in sports betting is
3: out.
1: This has been a hoop ball presentation.